tonight there's a message that God's burning my spirit to preach to you that, that, that I hope will, will be taken the way God intends for it to be taken. I'm scared that the church has drifted away from our real values and our true reason for being here. We've become a church in a lot of places, and I'm, I'm not condemning this church because I think y'all are a great church. I'm not condemning any church, but the church as a whole, it seems that we come to church for what God can do for us. I'm not interested tonight in what God can do for me. He's done enough for me. If He don't do anything else for me, He's done enough for me. But what I, what I'm looking for tonight is what I want to preach to tonight is some people that says, God, I want you to do something to me. Amen. Not just for me. Amen. Now I'm going to preach out of the Word of God. I believe in the Word of God. I love to tell this story, probably told it last time I was here, but I heard a story one time about an atheist convention that was going on in Atlanta, Georgia. They were atheists from everywhere. Kind of the convention hall was packed. There was an old Church of God preacher that was there, and he was looking for camp meeting, made a wrong turn. And he was walking by the front, and he said, this has got to be it. So he walked in, and the head atheist was up there with the Bible open. And he read the story. He read the story about Elijah. How Elijah was called up into heaven, amen, called all the way up into heaven. And, and the man went on to say, we know that is not true. This Bible is, is a lie because when you get so many hundreds of miles up in the air, it is so cold that man cannot live. And all of a sudden, that old church of God preacher jumped up and started shouting down the center aisle. He started shouting and worshiping God all kind of ways, speaking in tongues, just having him a ball. Now, head atheist looked at him and said, sir, I perceive you're a Christian. Worse than that, I perceive you're one of them Pentecostal Christians. And he said, I just proved to you the Bible is a lie. There's no way God called Elijah up into heaven. It's too cold. And the man looked at him and said, no, sir, you told me why he sent a chair to fire. To keep him warm when he went through that cold spot. Amen. I believe in the Word of God. I believe it says what it means and means what it says. So tonight, I want you to look with me, start with, before I, I really get into the Word of God, how many believe we're living in the last days? If we're living in the last days, and I believe two things are going to coincide with each other in the last days. I believe there's going to be a great falling away. Have y'all experienced any of that around here? People that used to be on fire for God now ain't living for God. He said there's going to be a great falling away, but I also believe, parallel with that, is going to be a great outpouring of His Spirit. And on the last days, I'll pour my spirit out upon all flesh. So God does not, God, nothing catches God by surprise. We're living in a time where, where things look, look bad. If you listen, I, my wife has banned me. She told me when I left this trip, she said, there's two things I do not want you to listen to on the radio as you travel that four hours down there. You do not listen to country music. It makes you mean. Are you still with me? Amen. Some of y'all look like y'all have had a tear in your beer all day long. Amen. And she said, secondly, I don't want you to listen to Fox News. It depresses you. Are you still with me? Amen. You can't turn on the news without hearing something bad. The economy's terrible. Lord, if President Obama gets back in there, the world's going to blow up. If Romney gets in there, it's going to be worse than that. It's just, there's no hope for America. It's just over if you listen to the news. Amen. Everything is bad. But God's still in control. I want to show you something. How many of you know our world changed whenever those fellers run those planes into those towers? Y'all, y'all believe? You can't even go to the airport without them checking what kind of underwear you got on and if you got a bomb in your shoe or not. Amen. 
It changed our whole, our whole way of doing things. Well, let me show you a scripture right quick. The Bible tells us about the Holy Ghost. He describes the Holy Ghost as being inside of us a well of springing water. He said, it'll flow out of us like streams of water. Out of your belly, he said in one scripture, shall flow rivers of living water. Well, look at this scripture with me in Isaiah 30. I'm not going to preach on this, but it adds to it. There shall be upon every high mountain and upon every high hill rivers and streams of waters in the day of the great slaughter when the towers fall. Did you see that? He said, when those towers fall. I'm still going to have streams, and I'm still going to have rivers. That was a great day of slaughter. What, 3,000-something people died on that day. On the day of the great slaughter, when the towers fall. Now, I know, I've, I've asked all kind of people, what towers is he talking about? And nobody can tell me anything. But Isaiah was a prophet. i got to believe Isaiah was looking ahead at them towers that fell in New York. And he prophesied that said, when those towers fall and all those people get killed, I'm still going to have me some streams. And I'm still going to have me some waters. The Holy Ghost is still going to flow. And it's going to flow from the high places. I'm going up to the high places going to tear the devil's kingdom down. So I still believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. Anybody in here with me tonight? Now, I want to give a little brief testimony, if I may. In 1988, the General Assembly happened. That's when they were talking about all the cuts. I think they cut the tithe of tithe from 25 down to 15 or something like that. And, And the Church of God was wondering, could we exist in that? The economy was not as good as it could have been in 1988. And Raymond Crowley, the general overseer at that time, he walked up to the pulpit and he said, The church of God does not have a money problem. The church of God has a spiritual problem. And he challenged the pastors to go home and pray till something happened. The pastor of a little church in my hometown, Jessup, Georgia, named Ronnie Luke, a little church called Guard Eye Church of God, he went home and started doing that. Well, while he was at the church praying with a group of folks, my wife, I was in the Baptist church. Now, I I don't talk about Baptist folks. Some of my best members used to be Baptist folks. Amen. They'll come to Sunday school. Well, glory. Amen. He said, treat you like I'm home. I said, okay. Amen. So, but, but, but we were, we were Baptist folks and, and I, I had just enough religion to make me look religious. Anybody with me what, what I'm talking about? Went to church every Sunday, but I'd cuss you out if you mess with me. Amen. <laughs> Paid my tithe every week, but I told her to pocket knife, I'd cut you if you didn't, if you didn't look out. Amen. I was meaner than a junkyard dog. That's all there was to it. But, but the preacher had told me if you ever got saved, you're always going to be saved. And I got it when I was 12, so I thought I still had it. But while that preacher was praying and seeking God for a move of God in his church, my wife, something started stirring up in her. And she started, she read this little stupid book about 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1988. The man was wrong, but he sure messed my life up. Amen. And my wife would lay awake at night and she'd say, are we saved? Yeah, you know we saved. Didn't you get saved when you was a little kid? Yeah, well, you know we still got it. The preacher said we still got it. But George, you just cussed that guy out down the road. Yeah, but I got it. I got it. And she said, well, I don't believe we say. Well, I said, I believe we are. And I go to sleep. I got to go to work tomorrow. Amen. 
And she started praying and she started seeking God. And all of a sudden, a, a lady that we knew had passed away in November of 1988. And I was the at her funeral. So I'm sitting on the front row and the preacher preached. He didn't get up there and quote Psalms 23 and John 14, 1 through 3. That's what you do as a preacher if you ain't ready to preach. Next funeral you go to, if the guy walks up and says, now we know Psalm 23 says this. John 14, if in my father's house, I mean, you know, he ain't studied. He ain't ready. He ain't ready. Amen. But this preacher got up there and he preached. And something happened to me on that front pew. I went, whoa, there's something different about this. While that church was still praying, I told my wife, I said, let's come back here next Sunday. And so we started coming to that church. And in April of 1989, I ran down that altar. And I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And he filled me with the Holy Ghost. Are you still with me? It wasn't something that they had to tell me to say. It wasn't something that was worked up. It was that I prayed through. I prayed for two and a half hours. Amen. And when I quit praying, I started speaking in a language that only God could give me to speak. Amen. Are you still in the building with me? That was April of 1989. In other words, I got saved because somebody was hungry for more God. Wow. Just a short time after that, January of 1990, I got called to preach. November of 1990, they sent me to my first church. The overseer told me that he really felt God, that I should go to that first church. He lied. I was the only one he could get to go there. I was the fifth pastor in one year. He needed somebody that could fight. You see, I got saved and I wasn't sanctified yet. Amen. And I invited more people behind the church than I did to church the first year that I was a pastor. But it grew. Amen. The point I'm trying to tell you is simply this. Our general overseer had enough sense to say what we need in this economy, what we need in this world back then was more God. I want to tell you all something. I've been praying all the way down here. And all this week I've been saying, God, you got to help my church. We've been stagnant for a little while. And I've been saying, God, I need more good people. I, I need more finances. I, I need more this. I need more that. I need more, more, more. And the Holy Ghost just grabbed a hold of me. And he said, what you need is more of me. Because if you get more of me, all the other stuff will fall into place. My God, have mercy in this place. We need more God. Amen. I don't care if a Democrat wins the White House, we need more God. If a Republican wins the White House, we need more God. If the economy turns around, we need more God. If the economy keeps going down, we need more God. We need more God in our school. We need more God on our jobs. We need more God at the house. We need more God in the marriages. We need more God in the White House. We need more God. So tonight... I'm going to preach a simple message, simply entitled, More God. Look with me in the book of Acts chapter 2. If you've been in the Pentecostal church more than three weeks, you've heard somebody preach on these scriptures. Acts chapter 2, begin reading in verse 1. Would you stand with me in reverence to the reading of the Word of God? And when the day of Pentecost, you can't have Pentecost without Pentecost. Don't shout me down while I'm preaching real good now. Amen. When the day of Pentecost was fully, not partly, fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. 
and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. In other words, they got more God. Father, I ask you to speak to us tonight. Speak through us tonight. God, I, I believe you can do anything for us. I believe you can heal the brokenhearted. I believe you can set it, set at liberty the captive. I believe, God, you can heal that that's bruised. I believe you can do a lot for us, God. But, Lord, I pray that you do something to us tonight. God, fill us again afresh and anew with more of you. In the name of Jesus, we praise you. Amen, amen, and amen. Turn to somebody before you sit down and look them in the eye and say, if you weren't here, I'd be the best-looking person in this building. Amen. I love the church of God. I'm glad I'm the church of God. I got saved in the church of God, filled with the Holy Ghost. Church of God, I'm a pastor of the church of God. I don't believe church of God is the only one that's going, but I believe we one of them that is going. Amen. I love the church of God. We are a movement of people. But it seems in the last few years we've ceased being a movement and we've become a monument. You know, what are you saying? A monument is something you look at and talk about where you've been. A movement is something you can't look back because you keep going forward. And too many of us are looking back at the good old days of how God used to move and how people used to get filled and how people used to get saved and used to get healed. But now we look, we've become a monument instead of a movement. Oh, Sister Lottie. Remember Sister Lottie Lotswile? Whenever they got out of Sodom and Gomorrah, she was moving forward and they were going good, but she looked back and because she look back, what, what, what became a monument, I mean, what, what, what was a movement became a monument, and she became a pillar of salt right there. God help us. I don't want to be something that a cow comes by and licks every now and then. I want to be a movement of God. I want to take some territory that God has laid out before us, and I want to take some things back. I believe there's some wells we need to redig, and I believe there's some things we need to go back and grab hold to that we let go. In the, in the, in the name of going forward, God help us to get, Lord, ever let us lose the sweet power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost because that's our avenue to get more God. Amen. Now, for us to continue being a movement, we've got to have more of what God wants us to have. We've got to be more than what, of what God wants us to be. In Acts chapter 2, we found that they received more God. The Bible said they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, how many of you know you can't get no more than filled? When you feel it's full, I know I'm from South Georgia, amen, praise God. And, and, and we, we, you know, it don't take us as long to get our education as it does some of y'all in North Georgia. Some of us got it in six years, praise God, amen. Took y'all twelve, amen, praise God, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But the point I know is this, filled means full, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Now this is where I want to mess with you just a little bit. I believe there's people tonight that God wants to fill with the Holy Ghost. But listen to me, listen to me close. I believe there's some folks tonight He wants to refill with the Holy Ghost. Because you see, I don't care how full you get, living makes you leak. Living makes you leak. And I don't care who you are. 
<laughs> you might have spoke in tongues in 1940, but if you ain't been refilled since then, I'm scared of you. It's a dangerous person that thinks he's full when he's half empty. I told somebody the other day, you know, I, I pastor a church, I pastor a progressive church. I got folks in my church that, that, that love God and they come to church, but they ain't quit drinking yet. I don't think you ought to drink. Drinking's bad. Messes your mind up. Be filled with spirit, not drunk with wine. Are you still with me? Amen. Why should you put something in your mouth that's rotten? I, but listen, drinking, I don't never have no problem with those folks that struggle with drinking. They don't never cause me a problem one. I got some folks still smoking. I don't like smoking. Smoking's wrong. Are you still with me? Are you still with me? I told somebody that day I was preaching. I said, y'all, some of y'all struggling with smoking. You ain't smoking. The cigarette smokes. You're just a sucker on the end of it. Amen. But people that smoke, I ain't never had a church problem out of nobody that smokes. I got them that chew and dip. Why would you put something in your mouth that when you spit it out, it looks like a gopher turtle had an accident? Amen. <laughs> My God. I don't believe chewing's good. Chewing's right. I don't think it's wrong. Anything you can't lay down for Jesus is wrong. But the people I have problems with, I'm talking about the people that stir up trouble. Those those that spoke in tongues years ago. Are you still with me? Them's that'll want to be the ones that'll gossip. Them will be the ones that'll yeah, 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 yeah. Them will be the ones that'll cause me trouble. Them will be the ones I can't trust. Them will be the, what am I saying? God help us. Just because you spoke in tongues 40 years ago, that don't mean you feel now. I want to get you so full tonight. God wants you to get so much more of Him that when you leave this place, you'll speak the Word of God with boldness and you'll understand that God Wow. I think it's Luke ten nineteen. I didn't give her the scripture. But he said, once you receive this power, nothing will hurt you. Ain't that what he said? Why is there so many people in the church hurt? I'm going somewhere with this. I know a bunch of, there's a bunch of people not here tonight. And I don't even know nothing but good about your church. But there's a lot of people that didn't show up tonight because somebody hurt them. I know preachers that's quit preaching because some church hurt them. He said, if you get this power, nothing will hurt you. So if you hurt, you must have leaked. Can we go ahead and just plug in a tape of Jonathan Ziegler right now? Amen. So let's get more of him tonight. Here we see they got more. God, it is my desire that we become filled and running over. Psalms 23, amen. Verse 5, look what it says right here. I want us to look at this closely. He said, you anoint my head with oil, my cup. Did I give you that? Thou prepares for table for me the press of man. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runs over. God help us. It's been a long time since I've been in a church service where the cups were running over. So many times we get just what we need to get out of here. We get just what we need need to make it. We look for ways to lay out a church. We look for ways to quit coming. Let's quit having Sunday night. Nobody comes. Let's cut back here. Let's cut back there. And let's do this. God help us. I hope I'm in a church service tonight that we leave enough that God's helping us so much and filling us so much with more of Him that it's running over. So that, that little crack addict that you walk by in Walmart, that they'll sense there's something about you that what? 
that she can't get from the crack house. God, help us to understand that I want us to run over tonight and not just get enough to make it till next Sunday. We find in Acts chapter 2 that when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Now that tells me something right there. When it was fully come, not partly come. That tells me that if we're going to get more God, He wants fullness. I give myself away. Are you with me? I give myself away except my wallet. I give myself away from the waist up. I give myself away. If it's not football season, I give myself. Here's another good song. There ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. But on Sunday morning the sheeps will keep me bound. He's a mean streak in me tonight. I don't know. Jonathan Ziegler left that spirit up here. I got to get rid of it. Amen. When the day of Pentecost was fully come. You know the psalm that said, Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is with it. In other words, for God to give me more of Him, He's got to have all of me. It's got to be full of Him. In other words, if I can't praise Him chewing it, I ought to spit it out. If I can't praise Him smoking it, I ought to put it out. If I can't praise Him drinking it, I ought to pour it out. If I can't praise Him watching it, I ought to turn it off. If I can't praise Him dating her, I ought to leave her at the house. If I can't praise Him dating him, I ought to break up with him tonight. If it keeps me from getting close to God, i got to put it aside because nothing in this world is worth getting between me and the God of all creation. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, God deals with fullness and not part. They were all in one accord and in one place. Unity. How many of you know you can be together and still not have unity? I used to work at a dairy when I was growing up, milk cows. I was a good dairyman. Had me a hat said, I pull for milk. <laughs> That's the truth, amen. <laughs> well, everybody thinks that the milk runs down the ditches, I guess, because everybody brings their stray cats and dumps them out at the dairy. And so we had cats around there all the time. Well, that old guy I worked for, and if he's animal lovers in here now, just bear with me. I didn't do it. That old guy, <laughs> that old guy I worked for, he was a prankster. He caught two of them tomcats one day. And he tied their tails together with a piece of wire, and he hung them over a clothesline. They were together, but they weren't in unity. I've pastored some people like that before. Amen. Just because you come to church don't mean you're in one accord. Just because you showed up. I love the people. I love the spirit of showing up. We need you to show up. But just because you showed up, that still don't mean you in one accord. I pray tonight we're here worshiping one God with one reason and one purpose, understanding that He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And there's nothing, there's nothing that He cannot do. They were all in one accord. 
when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord. Unity is where God dwelt. Then suddenly, there came a sound from heaven. Oh, I listened to your pastor all week in the Northwest Pacific area. I can tell he's not a man that works things up. I, I don't need what's worked up. I need something suddenly when God just shows up. And God does something that we can't explain. I know. I went to a church one time, and I, I, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm picking on, I don't know why I'm picking, but I went to a church one time where, where the music minister looked over at me, and I was a guest speaker. He said, how do you want me to leave them? You want me to leave them shouting, or you want me to leave them crying? I said, I don't want you, I just want you to leave them. <laughs> just leave them. Are you still with me? I, I don't want you worked up. I want God to do something, not because we sung a good song. I don't want God to do something just because we got revival. I don't want God to do something just because you're here or I'm here. I want Him to do something that's unexplainable. God, you'll suddenly show up and give us more. My God, have mercy. Give us more of you. So we find when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord, and then suddenly something happened. It is my prayer. God does a suddenly thing tonight, and it filled all the house. Filled all, he done a corporate thing. It filled all the house. And then just in case he missed somebody, he went back and done an individual thing, because COVID and tons of fire set on every individual. Wow. So tonight, I'm building this thing for us to see more of Him. Now, wait a minute. Tonight, I want us to experience more God. Realizing that God does not change. God does not change. Malachi chapter 3, verse 2. Look what it says. Malachi 3, verse 2. He said, For I am the Lord, and I change not. Now, if God does not change, and He gave them more God in Acts 2, and we want more God tonight, then i got to understand He wants to give me more God tonight like He gave them more God then. Are you still with me? And I, Now, I wasn't raised Church of God. I wasn't raised Church of God. Matter of fact, I was, I was third generation turned out of the Church of God. You hear these preachers come to camp meeting and say, I'm fourth generation church of God, and I, I envy them. I'm third generation turned out of the church of God. What do you mean? My great granddaddy was turned out of the church of God because he sharecropped on a farm that grew tobacco. Boy, it got quiet. They didn't just preach against it, they'd turn you out if you messed with any of it. My daddy and my Uncle James got turned out of the church when they were kids. Because they saved up some money, went down to the, to the theater in my town, or in our town, and watched a movie. It was a bad movie, full of mystic stuff. It was called The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Turned my daddy out. <laughs> my wife, the ladies back here saying, now go on now, go on, amen. My wife, she was Church of God, but she was one of them old-timey Church of God churches. I'm talking about they were mean. Are you still with me? I don't mind anybody having convictions, but these people had convictions, and they wanted you to have the same convictions. Are you still with me? I'm glad my wife backslid from that church. 
They didn't believe you should cut her hair or put on any makeup or shave her legs. I, I don't know how you feel about that, but I, I'm a man. I, I don't want to lay in the bed beside somebody with a hairy leg. That just ain't going to happen. I don't care if the president does say he, he agrees with two men getting married. You ain't going to sleep under the same sheet with me if you got a hairy leg, I'm telling you. Amen. <laughs> That's bottom line, amen. And I don't want to play a Jonathan here. I've got to go on. But I, I started courting her. I said, I can't go to that church. Some people's crazy. You know, every time I go there, they try to beat me up. Amen. Get me down to order and knock me out like I see all them people falling around. I, I don't want to go to that church. If you want to date me, we got to go to the Baptist church. So we started going to Baptist. And they turned my wife out for non-attendance. Amen. <laughs> so I'm third generation turned out. Amen. So whenever I first started coming to the church of God, I wanted to know why. Why do people shout? Why do people, matter of fact, I got a booklet in my church I give to every visitor why we do the things we do. Because people come in, they don't know why we sing. They don't know why we shout. They don't know why we give. They don't know why we speak in tongues. So whenever I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I started looking, God, I want more of you, but I want to know why. I want to know why. If I want more of you, God, and you don't change, and you'll give me more of you tonight like you did back in Acts 2, then I want to know some things. I want to know why you sent the wind. I want to know why you sent the fire. And I want to know why you sent the tongues. So if I want to know God and I want more of Him, and He gave them more God then, and He sent the wind, the fire, and the tongues, then i got to believe if I get more of Him tonight, then He's going to send the wind, the fire, and the tongues. And if I want to know why He sent the wind, the fire, and the tongues then, all i got to do is go back in the Scripture and find out why He sent the wind and the fire and the tongues before. And if I can find out why He sent the wind and the fire and the tongues before, and He don't change, and He sent the wind and the fire and the tongues when they got more God, then I can understand God. Why do you want to send the wind? And why do you want to send the fire? And why do you want to send the tongues? I told you this is the meat in, in between the sandwich tonight. Amen. Jonathan was just a piece of bread. <laughs> Kevin Wallace is just a, But I'm going to decide if you get peanut butter or steak sandwiches. Amen. And I believe I'm in a church full of meat eaters tonight. Tell me more. Tell me more about my Jesus. So the first thing I want to look at, he turned a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. God, if they got more of you and you had to send a wind for them to get it, and I want more of you, and you're going to send a wind here tonight, God, why did you send the wind? I'm glad you asked me. Let's look back in the Scriptures and find why he sent the wind before. First of all, let's look at Genesis chapter 8, verse 1. God remembered Noah. Oh, my God. This is the first record of wind I could find. God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged. I got to thinking, okay, God, why did you send the wind there? And God began to show, oh, let me show you why God sent the wind there. The reason he sent the wind, to really find out the reason he sent the wind, we got to find out the reason he sent the water. He sent the water for judgment. He sent the water because they was sin. He sent the water as punishment for that sin. He sent the water because it didn't turn out the way he wanted it to be. But now he sends the wind to take away the water. What does that mean? He was taking away the judgment. He was taking away the penalty. He was taking... He 
was taking a... You see, there's too many of us come to church and we got so much junk in our life because of something the devil had us with. Some of y'all done something today that's keeping you from praising. Some of you done something this weekend that keeps you from lifting up your hands. So God says, if I'm going to give them more of me, I've got to send them a win. I got to get rid of the junk. I got to get rid of the punishment. I got to get rid of the condemnation. That's the reason he said in Romans chapter 8 verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit what am I trying to tell y'all oh God help me preach this because I hope I make it I hope I get it to point across right here too many of us still struggle with the things that God has brought us out of and he said let me send some wind so to get rid of the guilt so that they can come boldly into my presence and I can give them more of me Think about, think about them people in that upper room. Peter had cussed him. Peter had cussed him. Are you still with me? I got a message I preach. I won't preach it here, but I preached it not long ago. God gave me a revelation. Remember when they were out in that boat and Jesus come walking by and Peter said, let me come to you, Jesus. And Jesus said, come. And he jumped out of the boat and walked on the water. After Jesus was crucified, after Jesus was crucified and resurrected, after Peter had cussed him, after Peter had denied him and had all that guilt, Peter was on the same boat. Remember, he said, let's go fishing. He was in the same boat. He was on the same water. And the same Jesus was sitting on the shore. Are you with me? And he saw it was Jesus. And look what he done. The Bible said he put on his coat and jumped in. God showed me something the other day. Why did he put on his coat? If you're going to have to swim to the shore to Jesus, I'm from South Georgia. We take our clothes off to swim. I was always conservative. I went skiing dipping with my boxers on. Amen. Praise God. You take clothes off to swim, but Peter put his clothes on. Why? Because Peter saw, I'm on the same boat. I'm in the same river. It's the same Jesus. I'll just walk to him again. But there was something in Peter's life that wasn't in it the first time. There was guilt and there was shame. So he put his coat on and instead of walking, he had to swim with his jacket on. Is that making sense to anybody? So Jesus says in that upper room, I gotta get, I gotta do something for brother Peter. For him to get more of me, he denied me. Oh my God. Thomas, he doubted me. All of them run and hid from him. He said, so all of them had shame and doubt. So God says, listen, if I'm gonna give them more of me, I gotta send the wind. And when the wind blows, it'll blow away the guilt. It'll blow away the shame. It'll blow away the stuff. It'll blow away. He said, I'll not even remember your sin anymore. What sins are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. From the book of life, they've all been torn out. I don't remember them anymore. God says for you to get more of Him, you've got to give your junk to Him and let Him blow it away so that He can give you more. As long as you got junk you holding on to, you can't get more God. Now let's look. Another place He sent the wind. This is important. Exodus chapter 10. 
Look at this with me. And the Lord, I got to have some people to help me. People will help you in this church, won't they? Amen. Brother, stand up right there. You're a big tall brother. You're going to be Jesus. You Jesus. Just say right here, Jesus. Right? I, I can't tell you. I can't tell Jesus what to do. You stay there if you want to, buddy. Amen. <laughs> Jesus is going to come from where? The eastern sky. Right? He's going to come from the east. Well, look at this. Look at this. Come here. Come here, brother. You a devil. <laughs> look. Locusts represent demons. How you know that? Because Revelation 9 said he threw all the locusts in the pit. Yeah. Talking about the devil. Now look what the Bible says. And the Lord turned a mighty strong. What kind of wind? West wind. Which took away the locusts into the Red Sea. There remained not one locust in the coast of Egypt. I said, okay, God, why did you send the wind? He said, notice this scripture, because I was looking up the wind. You know how you do, you follow all. I looked up the wind, and he stopped me right here. He said, notice, the locust represents demonic activity. Notice, the wind was blowing westwardly. In other words, it was blowing away from me. Let that sink in a minute. So when the west wind started blowing, it blowed the locusts. Not into the Red Sea, but into the Sea of Red. Yes. You'll get that. Because my sins are covered, and the devil can't pull none of them back out. So the wind blew westwardly and blew the locusts into the Red Sea. Now, what are you trying to tell us, Pastor? For him to get more of, for you to get more of him, you've got to have less of him. For you to get more of him, you've got to get less of him. So God said, I'm going to send the wind because that devil will come up and whisper in your ear. He'll tell you things like you can't get more of him. You don't deserve more of him. I know what you've done. You used to be a drunk. You used to sell drugs. You used to do this. He reminds you of everything you've ever done. Oh, there ain't no such thing as more God. There's no such. You got it all when you got saved. You don't need no more. You've got plenty. So God said for you to get more of me. you got to have less of him. So I'm going to send the wind to get rid of your guilt. But then I'm going to send the wind to blow the devil out of your ear. I'm going to send the wind to blow the devil out of the way. Wow. Wow. Now listen to this. Wait a minute, Jesus. That ain't all. Look at Ezekiel. Look at Ezekiel. I think it's 17. He talks about a wind again. Now, this time, come here, brother. You're a good Christian. I'm picking on you now. Amen. You're a good Christian. You are the planted of the Lord. Is this a good man? He pays tithe? He ain't checking. If you don't, you will, won't you? Amen. Checks in the mail, Pastor. Amen. He's planted in this church. Right? Now, look. Why did he send the wind? To blow the guilt and shame away. Is this okay? Why did he send the wind to blow the devil out of the house? But now look at this. Yea, behold, being planted. He's planted. Shall it not utterly wither when the east wind touches it? It shall wither in the furrows where it grew. Watch this now. Now it's an east wind. The west wind blew westwardly. It blew the devil away. The east wind blows and blows us closer to him. 
And the closer we get to Him, the more we wither. And the more we wither, it becomes less of me and more of Him. So he blows the east wind. He blows the east wind so that my flesh will fall by the wayside. So that I won't come in all cocky. I won't come in knowing it all. The more the wind blows me toward him, the lower I get. And when I'm on my knees, that's when I'm the biggest. And God says, I send the wind so that you will wither at my presence and know that I am God. Wow. So he sends the wind. He sends the wind to get rid of the condemnation. He sends the wind to get rid of the devil. And he sends the wind to get rid of my flesh as I get closer to him. The wind changes what's around me. So why fire? Look at, look at his neighbor and say he's only going to preach two more points. Amen. Why fire? Okay, God, I can see why you sent the wind. But why did you send the fire? Malachi chapter 3, verse 2. Look what he says. Who will abide the day of his coming? Who shall stand when he appeareth? He is like a refiner's fire. My wife bought this ring for me 30 years ago next month. And she put it on my finger when we got married. I took it off a couple of churches I pastored because I had too many, first church I pastored because I had too many people that thought you was going to go to hell if you put that on. They would talk about, you're going to fall into a mighty ring of fire. <laughs> down, 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 the flame get higher. I'm kidding. Amen. I don't know what carat gold is. I think it's 14 carat gold. But you know what made it 14 carat gold? It went through a fire somewhere. And they stopped it when it was 14. What's perfect? Is it 22, 24 carat? She didn't love me enough to get me one of them. (laughs) But if you'd have put that back in the fire, it would have been more pure. God's a refiner's fire. He's still working on me. To make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and the stars. Sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How wonderful and gracious he must be. But he's still working on. That's the reason I have to go to a church full of fire. Because he's a refiner's fire. I don't care how hard I try. There's a little junk just pops up in me every now and then. I've counseled people, and while I was counseling, I'd be looking at them saying, You know, I could bust you in the nose right now. <laughs> I have sat there while they talking to me and say, You know, I believe I could get your nose and part your mouth with one lick. And then then something will get a hold of me, and I'll say, bless you, brother. (laughs) Bless you, brother. There's just something pops up in me every now and then. Are you still with me? Anybody ever had a problem shooting a bird at people? When you see me, there's a lot of people in town, they see me waving. I'm shooting them a whole flock at one time. 
congregation. <laughs> Some of the meanest people in my church say, that's the friendliest pastor we got. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care where I see him. He'll just wave and wave and wave. If this is on the Internet. There's three people back there waving at me. I don't know what that means. <laughs> the next thing that pops up in me, are you still with me? Man, when I first started preaching, I told my church, hey, I'm giving y'all three cuss words a week. But you got to use them or lose them. You can't save them up and cuss nobody out. My problem is Monday at dinner, I was gone. They were gone. I told somebody the other day, I don't cuss, but if you'll write it down on a piece of paper, I'll sign it. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Amen. They some, these things mess with me. I can look at that brother there. They some things messing with him too. They some things mess with me. Those things pop up that I didn't even know that I thought was gone. Anybody with me? I, I, I'm gonna say something. I hope, I hope you'll have me back tomorrow night. I was preaching for somebody and I was laid up in the motel room, couldn't sleep. It was not, and I was flipping the channels and flipped by HBO. We don't have HBO in my house. Who? And it had a picture on there. Hmm. I got up, got dressed, went down to Hull House and drank coffee for two hours. I said, maybe that show's over by now. Are you still with me? They still things pops up. I, 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 I might be preaching to nothing but say, you got to be sanctified if you come on Monday night to hear George Moxley. Amen. But I need some fire. I need to get some refiner's fire. God, these things in me I didn't know was there. God, the last test I, I took, I failed. So God put me back in the kettle. You ain't going to throw the clay away. Melt me back down to the place where I... Wow! But always understand... The same fire that melts butter hardens clay. And the fire will have a different effect on you. If you come humble before Him, saying, God, something come up this week that I didn't know was in me. Send the fire. Send the fire. Send the fire. Send the fire. God, i got to get it out of me. It ain't worth me losing my testimony. It ain't worth me losing my marriage. It ain't worth me losing my ministry. Oh, God, burn me. Fire. Send the fire. The Holy Ghost. Send fire. Shunned them. Oh my God, there's somebody in here right now that you think you got given up, and God says, No, all you got to do is get in touch with my fire again. <sighs> Hebrews 12, talking about why he sent the fire. Hebrews 12, 9. Our God is a consuming fire. Now, I think of things real practical. What is he talking about? A consuming fire. Come here, brother, if you don't mind. You big and tall. You're a Georgia pine. Tall Georgia pine. Good looking tall Georgia pine. Come here, sister. You mind helping me on the end? Yeah, you don't mind. Well, she just cussed. She needs a fire. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. She doesn't need it. This is one of them pink dogwood trees. Just, you know, they're pretty pink dogwood trees. Are you still with me? This is an old fat ladder stump right here. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Come here, Brother Stump. He's just an old stump. 
Are you still with me? Are you still in the building with me? Come here, mighty oak tree. Mighty oak. He's as different. The oak tree's as different from the pine tree as he could be. The old stump is as different from the dogwood tree as he could be. Are you still with me? But now I want you to picture a fire. There's a consuming fire. When the stump gets in the fire, it becomes part of the fire. When the dogwood gets in the fire, it becomes part of the fire. When the oak and when the pine, when they all, he's a consuming fire. So when he consumes them, you, now you can't tell who's, where's the oak and who's the pine and who's the stump and who's the dogwood tree. I, I can't tell. They're all in the fire. They're all in the fire. Who's black? Who's white? Who's Asian? Who's rich? Who's poor? Who's ugly? Who's pretty? I can't tell. I can't tell because they're inside the fire and it's a consuming fire. Y'all can be seated. He sent the fire. 120 people up there. And they was as different as me and you. They didn't understand each other. Some of them was women. Men will never understand women. I got all these seminars. Left brain, right brain, no brain stuff. Men from Mars. Women from Jupiter. Man, God gave me a revelation the other day. He said, man will never understand women. Why, God? Because man was asleep when I made her. (laughs) Now, all that money you was going to give for that marriage seminar, just put it in the building fund. I just saved it. You ain't never going to understand them. Amen. Amen. But they was women. They was fishermen. They was tax collectors. They were doubters. They were cussers. But when God sent them, God said, uh-uh, I can't have this diversity. I can't have Peter looking at Thomas and saying, well, at least I didn't doubt him. I can't have Matthew looking at Peter and saying, you're just an old fisherman. I can't have Mary looking at the other Mary and saying, you were a prostitute. So I'll just send me a consuming fire and I'll get them all in the fire. And when they're all in the fire, it won't be about who they are. It will be about who I am. He is a consuming fire. The church needs more God because we need more fire. I'm almost done. Matthew 3.11. John said, I baptize you with water and repentance. But there's somebody coming after me. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. You know what that word fire means? Passion. Y'all are a unique church. I'm going to tell you something. I'm a student of church growth. And I, I watch churches that are growing. And this is what I see when I come in. When I walk in. Y'all had a, a, a cone out there for me to park in. Somebody had to put that cone there. I didn't do it. Matter of fact, I didn't even know you had a cone. I parked way back there. <laughs> Not because I... This, i got to lose some weight. I can't preach about people chewing the back if I'm eating too much chicken. 
The kids in my church call that the chicken graveyard right there. Amen. <laughs> Somebody had to put that cone. When I got there, this brother here was looking for me. Man, he couldn't wait to do something for me. I almost asked him for five dollars. <laughs> what kind of Mac you want? What? 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 Who? Uh, this girl back here? I can't remember her name. Give me your scriptures. I remember you from last time. You got a bunch of them. I need them now. <laughs> Another lady run up to me. I need to know the title. Oh, it's deep, ma'am. More God. That it? That's it. People run. I wanted somebody was putting bananas out. Are you with me? Some M&M's. They was probably putting raisins. They saw me walking across and said, no, that's an M&M man there. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. <laughs> that was 25. That was a dozen or so people. Back there praying. Seeking God. I walked around. Y'all was, this fire don't mean consuming. This fire don't mean refiners. This fire means passion. You see, when you get filled with the Holy Ghost... You'll have passion. When you get more God, I should say, you'll be passionate about doing something. Right now, my church is going through something. I can't hardly get people to do nothing right now. I, and I'm noticing that's a trend all over, the, a trend all around that people that used to teach have quit teaching and people that used to us have quit ushering and people that used to elder have quit eldering and people that's quit doing have quit doing and God, what's the matter? He said, you need, to, you need more of me. That's what it is because they forgot. They forgot what I've done for them. Passion, passion, passion. I, when you got this kind of fire, oh, I know I'm preaching where you can't shout right now. But when you got this kind of fire, you don't got to go to church. You get to go to church. You don't got to give in the offering. You get to give in the offering. You ain't got to lift your hands in praise. You get to lift your hands in praise. You ain't got to sing. You get to sing. You ain't got to shout. You get to shout. You ain't got to. You get her. And God help us to get more of you so that we'll God get her instead of God in this place. Now hear me. Hear me. If you, oh God, help me preach this point here. If I don't preach nothing else. If you aren't touched by the fire. Let me back up. If you've been touched by the fire, you can't quit. How do you know? Jeremiah. Some of y'all know where I'm going. Jeremiah said, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of begging them to come to church. I'm sick of them. Backsliding every week. I'm sick of two Facebook. Y'all probably have Facebook here, but <laughs> people will say things on that computer they won't never say to your face. We had a church problem the other day. I was a D.O. and my overseer called me and says, Brother George, I want to appoint the old George. <laughs> he remembered me back then. I want to appoint the old George to this church as pastor. But I already got a church to pastor. I want you to pastor two of them. You the pastor of this other church. Okay. So I go there and meet with the secretary. What's the problem? Why is everybody mad at each other? All this Facebook. She printed me out a dozen pages of Facebook stuff. So I called a church meeting. And I got this Facebook stuff out. And I read. I said, who's this? 
guy raised his hand. I said, and I read what he wrote. And I said, he wrote about this. Who's this? I said, you really feel that way about that guy? It was like a covey of quail heading for that back door. I don't even know where I'm going. I was talking about Jeremiah. He was sick of Facebook and all this stuff that comes along with pastoring. And he said, God, I'm quitting. I'm not even going to mention your name again. I am not going to preach your word no more. But he said, I was misery. I was weary from restraining because it was like a fire. They shut up in my bones. Once you've been touched by the fire, you can't quit. You can't quit. You may try to leave his place and go get drunk tonight. While you're sitting on the bar stool, he'll be flickering. He'll be flickering. And you'll be remembering how good it was when you was around the altar of God. Once you had the fire, you can't quit. It'll draw you back over and over. But now listen, if you ain't had the fire, if you ain't had the fire, you won't stick. Show you. Let me show you. Brother, can I use you for an example? You don't mind? You don't mind, do you? Amen. I hate to use staff. <laughs> Amen. But watch this. Elijah. Elijah. Elisha. Elijah had messed up. A lot of people think he was just good and God took him to heaven. No. He kept griping. And God said, You got to go find your replacement. That's what he said now. And, and he told him, he said, go find Elisha. He's going to be plowing. Hold on, this. He's going to be plowing an ox. Oh, don't, don't, don't mess up the carpet. Oh, yeah. He's going to be plowing an ox. How many of you know if you plow an ox, the view never changes? And the <laughs> And when you plow, listen to this. When you plow, I used to farm. I still do a little bit. When you plow, you go round and round in circles. So he's going round and round in circles. And the view ain't changing. And he's the twelfth plower in a party of twelve plowers. So he's looking at twelve. <laughs> Views that never change. So here he is. He's pounding his ox. Elijah comes by. Here, I'll just use this. Can I, can I use that? Elijah walks by, takes his mantle. He don't give him a track. He don't take him through 12 weeks of how to quit plowing. He don't go see a psychiatrist on why you can't look up an ox all the time. He didn't go get a counselor to tell him that the reason you like you are is you've been looking at an ox's butt for so long. He didn't find somebody to tell him, I know the reason you like you are. The reason you like you are is your daddy was an ox butt and your mama married an ox butt and that's the reason you like you are. No, no, he didn't have to go through all that. Elijah come by and just took the mantle that represents the anointing, the fire of God. Tooks the mantle and throws it over his shoulder and walks on by. And when he did, he ran after him. And when he ran after him, he asked, he asked Elijah, listen to this now. He asked Elijah, he said, let me go home and kiss mama bye. 
And Elijah said, what have I done to you? If this don't mean more to you than kissing your mama by, then I've done messed you up. You go back. And Elijah said, wait a minute. And he runs back. And he pulls out his Winchester. And he shoots his ox. Pow! And he takes his plow. He breaks it up. And he starts a fire. And he cooks his ox. And he invites all the other eleven. And come and let's eat the ox. And then he runs after Elijah. Why? Because he said, I ain't never coming back to here. I ain't never coming back to here no more. I ain't never coming back to this place. I ain't coming. I ain't doing this no more. I'm not going to need this plow. I'm not going to need that ox. I ain't going to go running around in circles no more. I'm getting rid of what had me here. Because I have felt the fire of God. And when you feel the fire of God, nothing else, nothing else, nothing else, nothing else, nothing else. My God, have mercy. Wow. Let's finish this message. Why win? I ain't going to re-preach it. Why, tongue, why fire? Now let's look at why tongues. Whoa. James 3, 7, 8. Seven, James 3, 7 and 8. Every kind of beast, of birds, of serpents, and of things in the sea. They had SeaWorld back there. That's what it said. They had Shamu shows back then. And of the things in the sea is tame. And they have been tamed of mankind. But, he said, he said you, it'd be easier for you to go... And find you a killer whale and teach him how to jump through a hoop. Then to tame your tongue. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly, full of deadly poison. How many of the devil uses tongues more than anything? I hate the devil. Let me give you a quick message on the devil. The devil. You take away the D, you got evil. You take away the D-E, you got vile. The devil's vile. You take away the D-E-V, you got I-L, he'll make you ill. You take away the D-E-V-I, you got L. If you don't love Jesus, you're going to go to hell. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. He'll take your tongue and mess with you. Look what he says in Proverbs. Look what he says in Proverbs. 18 verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that love it will eat the fruit thereof. Tongue. Ah. Ah. Oh my God. Anybody ever had trouble with their tongue? There's four people here being honest. Rest of your tongue done lied to you again. <laughs> he said we put bits in a horse's mouth to control the horse. He put we put a little stern on a ship to control the whole ship. He said, if you can control this little member, you can control the whole body. Why is it the devil has talked so bad about tongues? Because he don't, God ain't as interested in your tongue as he is the rest of you. And he said, if I can get control of their tongue, when God tames your tongue, you not only don't say the wrong stuff, but you start saying the right stuff. Now notice, it is as the Spirit gives the utterance. 
Oh, God, help us, because I've, I've, I've heard of churches. They don't have more God, so they try to teach people to speak in tongues. Get them down front and get a motion going on. See me, see me tie me tie, see me tie my bow tie. See me ride my Honda. I don't, it ain't how somebody can teach you. Are you still with me? And this is the problem, I, I, and I'm almost through preaching, really. And you can show you don't like it by not coming back tomorrow night, but I hope you do. Amen. But, but, but listen, this is the problem I have. A lot of people just speak in tongues from memory. They remember what they spoke back then, and they speak it again. That ain't what I'm looking for tonight. They spoke in tongues as he gave them the utterance. The devil can't stand tongues. Now let me say this. I ain't making a big, the big emphasis ain't the tongues. You see, I, I got these shoes. I wear the same kind of shoes all the time. When they wear out, I call the man down at the, at the, at the S&R men's shop and I say, I need a pair of Johnson and Murphy's. I about need another pair. They crack right there. Johnson and Murphy's. I need some black ones. I got a brown pair too. I need some black ones. Need nine and a half triple E. He said, I'll order them. They'll be here. When they come, what is that right there? That's the tongue of that shoe. When they come, I go pick up the shoes. The tongue come with them. I don't call him and say, I need a pair of tongues. I need a pair of shoes. And when I go get my shoes, the tongues are with them. I'm not here tonight to say let's seek tongues. I'm here tonight to say let's seek more God. And when we seek more God, the tongues come with it. So why does the devil hate tongues? Why does he hate tongues? Maybe it's because of what it says in Jude. I ain't but one chapter in Jude. Chapter, chapter 1, verse 20. But ye, beloved, build yourself up. We need more God because the church needs to be built up. How Hollywood is tearing it down. The White House is tearing it down. Politics is tearing it down. We gotta have somebody building it up. And he said, but you, beloved, build yourself up praying in the Holy Ghost. Mama's true. Now I'm gonna mess with somebody here, but it's okay. I've heard every excuse there is talking about tongues. How many of you have ever heard somebody that's not of a Pentecostal Persuasion, they'll tell you, well, tongues was for that day at Pentecost where they could all understand each other. How many of you ever heard that? Okay. Then why did Acts 10, Cornelius spoke in tongues with his whole family. They could all understand each other. Why did Acts chapter 19, there wasn't but, what, seven of those guys. They were Baptist guys. They were baptized under John's baptism. But they all got filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke in tongues, Acts chapter 19. Why did Paul say... I'm glad I speak in tongues more than all of y'all do. And he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Are you still with me? Why do you think Paul said, forbid not to speak in other tongues? He didn't just give tongues so we could understand each other on Pentecost. Are you still with me? Then you come up, and, and this is where I'm going to mess somebody up. And I'm almost through preaching. I have people say, well, I'm a Christian. I'm like Christ. And Christ didn't speak in tongues. Well, this is going to mess somebody up. Look at Mark chapter 5 for just a minute. Look at Mark. He took a little dead girl, a damsel. He took her by the hand and he said in her, To lift thy come I. Somebody interpreted it and said, Damsel, I say unto you, arise. 
Look at Matthew 27. We all know this one. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice and said, Eli, Eli, the That is to say, my God, my God. How do you know it was an unknown tongue? Because of verse 47. Some of them, they thought he cried for Eli. It was unknown to them. So I guess Jesus did speak in tongues, didn't he? Thank you. That's the first one of them I got all night, my God. So what am I saying? I had a guy tell me, he said, that was a language that Jesus knew. Well, it was impossible for the man that knows everything to speak in an unknown tongue, but the people that heard it, it was unknown. So tonight, I preach to you what God gave me. I know it's simple. More God. He sent the wind. There's somebody here tonight, if I can get somebody to just play some landing music. There's somebody here tonight that you need some stuff blowed away from you because you can't let go of it. The enemy keeps reminding you of your past, and you just can't let go. And God says, I'm going to send the wind tonight. Some of us here tonight, the devil just keeps dragging us down. I'm going to send the wind tonight. And some of us are so proud, we can't get more God. So he said, let the east wind blow to you and get you closer to me and... The closer you get to me, the less you'll be of you. John had that wind hit him, and he said, I must decrease so that he can increase. The fire, I just got a feeling there's somebody here tonight that God wants to burn something out of. He wants to burn something out of. It may be something nobody else knows about. 50%, about 53%. Now, the evangelical men struggle with pornography. <laughs> struggle with pornography. Men, we need the refiner's fire to burn some things out of us. Well, that pornography, it don't hurt nobody. Yeah, that's David. David stayed home from work one day and watched Windows. Woman taking a bath over there out the window, about the size of a computer. And it cost him his son. It cost him a generational curse that caused his boy to rape his daughter. And it caused a generational curse that the boy that was supposed to be king, who wasn't supposed to have but one wife, had 750 wives and 250 girlfriends. Don't tell me it don't cost you. That's the reason David later wrote in the Psalms, I ain't putting nothing wicked in front of my eyes no more. But I'm not picking on that. We just need refiner's fire. Some of us need consuming fire. Because we still play the we still play the diversity game. Billy Graham said the most segregated hour in America is from eleven to twelve o'clock on Sunday morning. And I know a church can't grow like this unless it's for everybody. But hear me. What about the diversity that he's put between us and the Baptists and the Methodists and the Catholics? And the, He wants to consume in fire. That we don't look at nobody no different than we look at anybody else. Because we're all in the fire. And then he needs to just give our passion back. And then the tongues take control of me, God. Take control of me.
Why wind? Why fire? Why tongues? I know I preached a long time. I won't preach this long tomorrow night, maybe. I don't know. Probably will. Father, <laughs> Father, I love you. And God, I ask you, Lord, tonight. We ain't come here for no other reason than that, God. On the way down here, Father, you check my motives. You check me driving. And God, the only reason I'm standing behind this pulpit that this gracious man of God allowed me to do tonight is to share with these people the desire that we must have for more of you. God, more of you. God, more of you. If I don't get more of you, God, Lord, I ain't going to finish the race if we don't get more of you, God. We'll, we'll look back and talk about how good how it used to be. More, more of you, God. More of you, God.